feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, President Biden wants us to think that he and his party have always been pro-police and have always said, let's fund the police. And now they are definitely trying to sing a new tune. At least some of them are. At least President Biden is. And to me, there is no doubt that it's right because the midterms are right around the corner. Of course, the all-important midterm elections, and we're going to talk about that tonight here on The Rita Cosby Show. I want to hear your thoughts, too. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, because now we're hearing President Biden saying that, well, no, we shouldn't defund the police. We should fund the police And that the Democrats are basically the party of fund the police. And he's also taking barbs at Republicans, saying that Republicans are not supportive of law enforcement. Now, this is all, to me, such a bunch of hogwash, and it's so much about politics. Because it is clear that all of this is because the midterm elections are just around the corner. In November, it's literally right around the corner. They see the poll numbers, and they clearly see what all of us see. When you go out on the streets and you go to a store, you go anywhere, you see a lot of homeless people, you see a lot of crime. Crime is an enormous issue around this country, so much so that when people are asked about it in polls, they're not saying, yeah, we want more green energy, that that's the top of the list. We want more windmills, that's the top of the list. We want more electric cars, that's the top of the list. Guess what? Those things don't even usually register. They're not even like 1%, basically, if you look at it on the polls. Yet 85% of Americans are concerned about crime and concerned about the state of our country. And they basically say they are, quote, extremely concerned about crime and they see it everywhere they see like you and i do when you're going out and about there have been so many cases of crime random crime robberies assault violent crime not to mention the revolving door that if somebody does get caught and i say if because quite often they don't even get caught but when they do get caught they're often right back out on the streets it's this revolving door of justice And people are really fed up with not only the crime that's happening, but the fact that prisoners and those who are committing crimes, in particular the criminals, that they're just feeling so emboldened that they feel like they can kind of do anything because they don't feel like they're going to be held responsible. And if you look at the track record, quite often they aren't. I mean, there was a case just recently in New York of a guy, a repeat offender, he punched a cop. He bit another cop. He was on lifetime parole, and he still got out when he was arrested for these crimes, these assaults against police officers. To me, this is sheer insanity. And this is happening across the country, mostly in locations where Democrats are in control. But 
The reality is we see it every single day. And the Democrats are now feeling it because they get the polls. They're looking at it and going, okay, maybe we're doing okay here. We're doing, oh gosh, they don't really feel like we're really good on crime. Well, guess what? Maybe you're not if you keep allowing these criminals to get right back out on the streets. They seem so laser focused on guns, guns, guns. And they have really thrown many of them, our police, under the bus. And whenever I hear this defund the police rhetoric and this anti-police rhetoric and this anti-support of police when there's often criminal attacks, it's always like, well, 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 maybe we have to give this criminal a break. What about law enforcement? you got to let law enforcement know you have their back. you got to let average citizens and criminals in particular know that you will not tolerate any activity that's disparaging or physically an assault against an officer. There can't be any of this gray. And so many members, at least of the squad, have kind of let it go on and on and on and have constantly said, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. Even President Biden at one point said, yeah, 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 Uh, defund, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when he was campaigning? It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when there were riots all over the streets of New York and elsewhere across the country in the summer of 2020, well, they didn't come out and condemn it. Remember, they were like, keep protesting. They have a right to protest, as if that was protesting. It was rioting and burning and looting. We have a right to protest, and we hope that they all continue to protest. That was the message, remember, from Nancy Pelosi. And then we heard from Kamala Harris, who was donating to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which was bailing out the looters and the rioters. So what message does that send? And then when the case happened with Derek Chauvin, when he was found guilty, which I think was appropriate in the George Floyd case, remember they came out and talked about the systemic system of racism that was in our law enforcement across this country. And so sure enough, all of these things contribute to, I think, these increased attacks on law enforcement, this increased environment against law enforcement. And to me, this is an absolute travesty. We have to support our men and women in blue. We have to let them know that we have their love, we have their back, we have their support, that we believe in them, and that also officials believe in them. Because guess what? If they know they can't be, you know, uh, attacked, then they feel they can do their job. Right now, law enforcement really feel like they're on the hot seat. They feel like they're going to get called into internal affairs. They feel like they arrest somebody. They're back out on the street. It's this revolving door. They feel dispirited and they feel frustrated. And this is the climate that I think we're seeing across the country. And yet today, because it's close to the midterms, we now are hearing President Biden with this Oh, I never said defund the police, and Democrats never really said defund the police. That's not serious. That's not this. That is incredible because many cities across the country have tried to defund or at least limit the funding of police. Some places have tried to wipe it out altogether. There has been this battle on law enforcement. And I find it so ironic that now, as we are heading into the midterms, we're seeing President Biden going full throttle and saying, oh, okay, well, now, now it's a good idea to fund police. Because he sees that the American public has had it up to here with this disparaging of law enforcement and that we have to appreciate our men and women in blue and we have to stop this nonsense about defund the police. How are you ever going to reduce crime? How are you ever going to, you know, just turn this tide? 
if you don't give law enforcement full support, allow them to have the tools and to do what they want to do to really be able to arrest the bad guys to make sure that they don't end up back out on the streets, we got to make sure that they know that we have their support. And not just because it's election time, Democrats, not just because President Biden, you suddenly see a poll that shows that the Democrats are doing so poorly with the police. And the irony of it all is now with all this conversation with the FBI, it's so funny to see the Democrats say, oh, look, it's the Republicans who are criticizing the FBI over the President Trump raid. It's not the Democrats that we're the party that supports law enforcement. Meantime, they allowed those cities to burn. They allowed those protesters to keep protesting. And those protesters were attacking law enforcement officers. And they didn't say anything then. They only talk about January 6th, what happened on January 6th. It's like selective memory of which law enforcement law officers that they like and they appreciate. They should be supporting all law enforcement, no matter the situation. And, of course, who could forget, because so many of them said it on tape, here is a little bit of a number of Democrats talking about defund the police. It's right there. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, But we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So, yes, defund your butts. Defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. So here is President Biden today, just a few hours ago. And it's like. Oh, we have to support law enforcement. A poll basically told me so. Take a listen. When it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. Fund the police. And that is the right message. But how come you have not been condemning others who have been continuing to say defund the police? And he also said it himself on the campaign trail. So give me a break. I mean, to me, this is just outrageous. Here is a little bit more of the president, because as I talked about his selective memory, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, we have to always support the police. And he's trying to point the finger at, quote, the MAGA Republicans. He's basically, as we know, in the last few days, called them semi-fascists. He has basically said that they're un-American. And now he is saying that they can't say they support law enforcement Because some of the MAGA folks were at the Capitol on September, on January 6th. I mean, this to me is amazing. Like, forget all the other attacks, forget everything else. But any issues that happened on January 6th, uh, because there were scuffles with law enforcement, that that is the only moment and that epitomizes the MAGA party. This is outrageous. Listen to, I just think, the nasty smears that now this president, who swore he's going to be uniter, is now taking. Take a listen. Let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. Don't tell me. 
So I'm waiting for Republicans to get a set of cojones and then go around and say to every Democrat, "Okay, well, this is what the uh, President Biden said. We're asking you, will you condemn every single looter and rioter that was out there on the streets in the summer of 2020? How come you didn't then? Will you ask for your money back from the Minnesota Freedom Fund? Will you ask for your money back from Black Lives Matter with all the different controversies that have surrounded them? Let's see. Let's see about that. Oh, no, no, no. It's only MAGA that now somehow they're going to say that they are the anti-law enforcement. Uh, To me, this is just it's a disgusting, disgusting smear. And to me, the fact that they're doing this so close to the elections is just so abundantly apparent. And take a listen to how Judge Jeanine Pirro reads this. Suddenly the Dems, 70 days out from the midterms, they want to be clear, we're not out for defunding the police. What we want to do is we want 100,000 new cops. Well, I got news for you, folks. 100,000 new cops is over the next five years, and it ain't passed yet. 87,000 new IRS agents at a cost of $80 billion is already passed. It's done. A lot of them will have guns, too. But cops, yeah, we'll see what happens. And he wants to go after Republicans. He wants to say Republicans had a chance to vote for this in the American Rescue Plan. Hogwash. I'm so glad the Republicans, not one, voted for it. You know why? That $2 trillion plan is the reason we have inflation. And the money that they say was for police was nothing more than a slush fund for the locals. Isn't that amazing? It is such a bunch of hogwash and such a double standard. And they want us to, like, have amnesia and forget what they have been saying for years upon years. And when it really mattered, what did they do? Oh, defund the police and cheered on the rioters. Let's go to Al in Yonkers on line five. Al, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, I just wanted to say, you know, as you know, President Biden's job approval ratings are are terrible. Uh, They're worse than Carter's was back in uh, during his one term in office uh, during his midterm. Uh, That's how bad President Biden's job approval ratings are. And uh, the American people, independents, who will be a big swing vote in the midterms, they're very dissatisfied in the direction that uh, President Biden has taken this country and his policies. So for him to say that the Democrats are the party of law enforcement uh, is nonsense. I mean, here's a guy who lines himself up with liberal-leaning senators in Georgia, like uh, Senator Warwick, who's running against uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. You may not. Uh, Warnock, Raphael Warnock, who's who's up against uh, Herschel Walker. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he's uh, no friend of uh, law enforcement, and these are the allies of the president. So I just wanted to say, uh, which you probably agree, that the American people could see that this is a, a political ploy on the on the part of the president to say that he and his allies are pro law enforcement. But don't you think, Al, that raw uh, like Republicans need to make sure that they go full throttle and say and call them out and expose it too? Because I agree with you. I think most Americans absolutely. see it for what it's worth. But you also got to say, wait a minute, this is absolutely not correct and really take the fight to them because you can't have them like make some falsity or some false claim like that. And then, you know, somebody goes, oh, well, maybe they didn't say this after all, you know. That's right. 
1,000%. you got to fight fire with fire uh, verbally. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about President Biden now pushing for fund the police. Could it be that the polls are clearly showing that crime is a major issue? And in fact, in most polls, crime is usually one or two, usually inflation or crime or vice versa, depending who you're asking. What are the biggest issues of concern for you in the country today? And this is what Joey Jones, a veteran uh, who sacrificed so much in the military. This is what he had to say right after he heard President Biden's remarks. Take a listen. The true sin of defund the police had nothing to do with money. It had nothing. The money was a method, but the true sin was to betray law enforcement by sowing doubt in the public trust of poor and minority communities. He's sowing doubt in those communities, telling them that the, the, the source of their problems was the oppression of the government by the hand of law enforcement. That, that was honest. It, it was honest frustration from those communities. But you don't fix it by jumping over there and go, yeah, I'm on your side. Let's draw a line in the sand and say all those guys with badges are the reason why we're in this bad place. That's not how you fix it. That is not how you fix it. And to suddenly say, oh, no, we support police. After you allowed your party to continue with the rhetoric, which many of them still continue to this day. Uh, Let's go to Christine in Connecticut. Christine, your thoughts about this? Hi, Rita. As a trans woman, I'll put it to you this way. Um, There's a better shot of HRT growing my boobs to double D than Biden or any other Democrat suddenly embracing police and law enforcement. Wow, that, that that's a good example there, Christine. But you don't buy it whatsoever, right, obviously? No, no, I, I don't think anyone should buy it. And another thing, too, I think it's time for the GOP around here in the tri-state area to realize that progressives view conservatives as the enemy. And how about for once realizing that and going out in the offensive and, and taking the fight to the Dems this time around? Yeah, because they are really fighting, you know, like, I mean, some of the verbiage that I've heard, especially from the president, and I think we're going to hear more from him later this week uh, with him going out there on uh, Thursday night. Apparently he's doing a like kind of a full out attack on MAGA again on Thursday night. He did it last week. And you have to respond with a little bit of fire in the belly uh, or else it's not going to go anywhere. That's the problem. So many times I think. Um, Republicans assume people either a know that that's hogwash, like the defund the police comments that you know now are fund the police. But I also think, Christine, that often uh, the Republicans don't fight as you know as as hardcore. And I'm talking about from a verbal perspective, they got to get out there and get out there and fight and tell people, listen, under us. This is what our policies are. We have consistently supported police. We've consistently done that. And unless they make a clear case, you can't assume 
that the voter totally understands or it gets overshadowed by some of the rhetoric from the Democrats. What are your thoughts real quick? I agree. I mean, if we don't do anything, the White House is going to be the Kremlin on Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, wow. That's a powerful message. Christine, thank you. Love your calls very, very much. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. Also, our Back the Blue segment, which we do every night here on the Rita Cosby, honoring our great men and women in law enforcement. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a beautiful story coming out of Gloucester County, New Jersey, uh, where a police canine is being credited with preventing a tragedy. A two-year-old bloodhound named Shiloh helped save the day with three little boys went missing in Magnolia, New Jersey. Now, police received a call. Uh, Kai and Leo Evans, ages nine and seven, and their friend, the three of them, had been playing on their bikes and decided to explore. So they went down the stream for about two to three miles. Now, suddenly the boy's grandmother realized that they had not come back. So she notified the police department, and they decided to go on the search. Finally, they said, we need to bring in one of the dogs. They need a piece of clothing to sniff it out uh, to be able to track down the kids. They were able to find flip-flops, and they found footprints. And Shiloh ultimately led the team about three miles through the dirt, water, and mud. And sure enough, she found the three kids. They were in bathing suits, very cold, standing in the water, and they were planning on surviving the night. They were so happy to see the law enforcement and to see the dog that saved their lives. They were reunited with their families, and for his hard work, Shiloh got a dried piece of liverwurst. So bravo to Shiloh, the canine dog, and of course, the great law enforcement, everybody there, the furry ones and the human ones there in New Jersey. And thank goodness the boys are okay. Well, of course, we are talking about supporting the police. And just a few hours ago, President Biden out there stumping for different candidates, trying to get the message out that, no, the Democrats have never said defund the police. I mean, to me, this is just the definition of insanity. He's asking for new officers to come in over the next five years. I think it should be immediately. Why are you spending time on IRS agents that would be armed and that would start immediately in your Inflation Reduction Act, American Rescue Plan, whatever you want to call it? Why are you pushing for all that money? Why don't you have law enforcement? If you really, really believe it, why don't you have law enforcement start immediately? And why were you allocating the money to IRS agents over law enforcement? That's a perfect example. And why haven't you been doing it for months upon months and years upon years where law enforcement have just been sadly taken a beating, which to me is just outrageous verbally and physically. I mean, more attacks against law enforcement than ever before. And also verbally, people feel emboldened. You see these thugs on the street. They feel emboldened to taunt law enforcement because they feel they can get away with it without repercussions. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Meantime, let's take a listen. This is President Biden with a few comments in the past about law enforcement. Take a listen to what he said in the past. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. 
So my generic point is but that can we, we agree that we can redirect some of the funding. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Did you just hear that? So can we agree that we'll direct some of the funding from law enforcement because they've, quote, basically become the enemy? And he wants us to forget that that ever was said. And he said that he said, yes, clear as day. You just heard it. Yes. And here is a little bit more. This is Nancy Pelosi on defund the police. Well, what it means is let us, uh, the resources that we have, let them spend it, let us spend it in a way that gives the most protection to the American people, protection for their safety, protection for their rights. Uh, funding of police is a local matter, as you know. Uh, from the standpoint of our legislation, we're not going to that place. What we're doing is talking about how we change policy to make our policing more just and that. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. But those are local decisions. Right. We're not going to get involved. And, you know, we want more community policing. And because we want policing to be just to those who are perpetrating crime, as opposed to we want to respect our law enforcement. The language to me is so transparent. And one of the people who I think has epitomized this defund the police movement is Congresswoman Cori Bush. Take a listen to what she said in the past. This is a member of the squad. I have had attempts on my life, and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up, and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. Right. So we need to defund the police and put it into social safety nets. Why is the president not condemning Cori Bush? Why is nobody condemning Cori Bush? And these comments, and again, you just heard it. There is President Biden on tape saying, yeah, should we take money away? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to make a system that's more just as opposed to saying we got to protect our law enforcement. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Dom in Minnesota on line five. Dom, your thoughts about all this? Yeah. Hi, Rita. This is your friendly, deplorable MAGA Republican SOB calling to openly declare that I'm a serious threat to abortion on demand and defunding the police. And that makes me a domestic terrorist and non-white super supremacist. So be it. But I'd be willing to give him a second look if he's willing to fund the police, quote unquote, fund the police with some of the student loan debt forgiveness fund taken from some very patriotic people like AOC, Ilan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and especially Her Royal Highness Cory Bush. <laughs> Very, and by the way, you know what's so interesting, Dom, about Cori Bush in particular? It's amazing yep. because she spent hundreds of thousands of dollars for her own security. And yep. when she was asked about it, her answer, which you just heard there, was like, yep. oh, no, I need security because I need to go out and, you know, share my message because I'm an elected official. But all of you should have less police and should have police departments that are defunded. I mean, yep. how, does that make any I mean, talk about like when you use the your highness, it is it's so it's, it is such an outrageous statement. Don't you think it, so? 
yes, it makes a lot of sense, especially in their bubble-filled world. You know, everybody's staying in D.C. Recipes don't exist. We are like termites. And that is the problem. So if Joe Biden does not do what I'm expecting him to do, I'd be happy to vote for the late, God rest his soul, Comrade Gorbachev, any day over Comrade Joe Bite Me. You know what? <laughs> you know, when you compare the two people, Gorbachev seemed like a more Americanized, you know, dictator than, than Joe Biden. The Joe Biden. Think about that. You know, he was the one that brought the wall down. And Reagan said, Gorbachev, bring down this wall. He did do it. Right. That You're absolutely right. And, and you know what, by the way, we are going to be talking about Gorbachev, too, later on um, in about half an hour or so here on the Rita Cosby Show uh, to talk about his incredible accomplishments and talk about the guts of this guy and the breakup of the Soviet Union. And we're going to be talking with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, who is a national security advisor to President Trump, also with the London Center, and talk about his thoughts um, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it. I interviewed Gorbachev. I had the honor of interviewing Gorbachev when I was at Fox News a uh, number of years ago. Um, and it was fascinating just to hear his perspective of the world at that time. And the only thing I think about how sad, Dom, at the end of his life, um, he apparently uh, told a journalist, a Russian journalist, um, near the end of his life, just how sad he was of what was going on today. Think about this after everything that he did to now be here. Um, you know, he passes away at the age of 91 and he's in his deathbed and he's seeing Putin going into Ukraine and doing all these things. And he feels like Putin ruined everything uh, that he had created um, and was just really sad at the way uh, just the assault on Ukraine and the barbarism on Ukraine by Russia and so many of these things. Um, you know, so what a, what a sad thing that he was thinking of the world at that moment, too. But what an amazing life. And I agree with you. Um, you're right. Um, you know, he was he he was a trailblazer in so many ways. Dom, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Norm on line three. Norm, your thoughts about all this and Biden now trying to claim the mantle of uh, the fun, the police, even though we got it on tape, Norm. Yes. Uh, i got a couple of questions. What is this disinformation in President Biden's speech today that Republicans voted to not fund the police? Why can't I remember that? Was yeah. it buried in park? Right. Or, well, or that's exactly law enforcement only. Yeah, there was lie? there was something that was tied to a package where it basically went to local departments and there was no guarantee that local cities rather would be using it for those proper purposes. And that's okay. why uh, and it was part of a whole big, broad package. And, okay. you know, it's like when you load a bill with a million different things and Republicans right. uh, thought. Everything in that package was not clear where the money was really going to go, not even just that aspect. It was a very small aspect of the whole big, broader package. And so right. that's so what they, it was. Yeah. It's not like it was some outright, you know, I mean, to me, um, he's totally using it for, you know, to create a myth that Republicans are anti-police. It's like, OK, uh, we want to build, uh, you know, five big windmills and we're going to add 10,000 uh, law enforcement, if local communities were going right. to send them the money and they could use it for, uh, you know, uh, community groups around the windmills or police and law and, and Republicans were like, uh, 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 it has to be clearly designated and they would not allow that. Yeah. If Biden thinks the GOP doesn't support law enforcement, how come Democrat dominated cities and states with such a criminal mess like mine? Right. No. One th And by the way, if you look at the top cities that are dealing with crime right now, I think 
there's it's like the top 20. I think 19 are run by Democrats. I mean, that that's a stunning admission and a stunning track record, Norm. And yet they don't even want to admit. And remember when, in fact, you know, you live in Brooklyn, right? When he came to New York, remember when Biden came to New York? All he was talking about was guns, guns, guns. He never once talked about recidivism. He never once talked about if he really cares about cleaning up the streets of crime, don't start pointing the finger at law enforcement. Start praising law enforcement for their great work. And second of all, start going after this revolving door of justice. He has yet to go after or even talk about these soft on crime DAs, talk about the justice system that's allowing these people to get out, uh, the judges that are using their discretion that have these liberal policies. He never does that norm. I mean, that's that's the issue. You can't say, I really want to clean up the streets, but I'm only going to go after X, you know. And in fact, all he really does go after is mostly assault rifles. In fact, Norm, stay with me. I want to play this. This is the first thing that Biden said today. This is cut number one. And take a listen how he says that he will fight crime. I'm determined to ban assault weapons in this country. Determined. I did it once before, and I'll do it again. I'm all about guns and never once talks about the criminal justice system. To me, that is just downright stunning, Norm, that he he refuses to go after the criminal. He refuses to even condemn even the ones who use the phrasing defund the police. Go ahead. Right. Well, I just, you know, I mean, it's funny. It goes after assault weapons. They're used in a minority of all gun crimes. And uh, true assault weapons are banned because they're selective fire. But, of course, the people screaming in the audience wouldn't know that. And, uh, yeah, it's just I just I just hope the American public are are not that stupid come this November. That's all. Yeah, I hope that they understand that (laughs) clearly this is just smoke and mirrors on his part. Norm, thank you very much. Um, Let's go to Jim um, on line seven. Jim, your thoughts about all this. That's me. Yeah, you got me. Listen, uh, in uh, 2020, didn't Donald Trump get the endorsement of every major police department in the country? Yes. And Biden didn't get any? Yes, and he didn't even get it from, I think, the Delaware, if I remember. I think even the Delaware Police Department, which is, of course, his uh, home state, they endorsed Trump. (laughs) I thought I thought my memory was good. Yep. No, no, no. You are absolutely right, Jim. Absolutely right. You are right on it. One thousand percent. Let's go to Pete on line four. Pete, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Uh, Great uh, to follow Norman. And uh, here's the thing. I was sleeping and I heard Biden say that. And I actually jumped up and said, like, what's going on? I mean, this guy, what do you think is going to help him? In the election, he's dead in the water. If Trump runs or if DeSantis, forget about it. My only worry and my hope and pray is that DeSantis and President Trump don't both run because they'll divide the vote and they will put us right back with these Democrats that are liars. Okay? It's the only word I could say for them that they are very, very big liars. And, and you know the thing is, Pete, he is intent on smearing Trump and anybody tied to Trump, because he clearly still views Trump in particular as a huge threat. 
And you can tell they're worried about, you know, DeSantis, too, because they're kind of going after him as well, clearly, but much more Trump right now. They are just going, you know, anything MAGA is semi-fascist, they say, is anti-American. I mean, some of these comments are they are crazy. And here is one of the comments that Biden just said a little bit ago. I want to get you to react because listen to what he's doing. He's trying to say anybody tied, you know, to, you know, this is what he's inferring. January 6th um, can't support law enforcement. Listen. You're on the side of a mob. The side of the police, you can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. You can't be a party of law and order and call the people who attacked the police on January 6th patriots. You can't do it. What do you make of that, Pete? Come on. What do you make of that? He has no clue on what really happened. The Capitol and where the the, uh, speeches were made was about a 20-minute walk, and they were breaking in the Capitol while Donald Trump was still speaking. This was Atifa and other groups that were paid to go in and do this ruckus. They let them into the building. And all the crime in New York isn't with uh, assault weapons. It's with handguns. There's people getting robbed and shot with handguns. And I know how to fire a weapon because I've been trained, you know, military and NYPD and stuff. I know how to fire a weapon. And these kids, they fly the weapon with the gun turned sideways. That's something they see in gangster rap movies. You can't shoot accurate. You got to look, point the gun, and you actually point your finger at your thing, and you go for, like, main parts. You have to hit somebody. You don't kill, you don't shoot at a person in the leg because they're going to get angry. If they got a gun, they're going to blow your head off. Okay, so this is it. The training that New York police have is excellent. And the thing is, uh, I wouldn't say for people who carry guns, because if you don't know how to handle a gun, you could do more damage to yourself. Believe me, I know. Well, and one of the things and Pete, thank you very much for the call, because one of the things that he was intent on today is basically guns, guns, guns. And I keep saying thugs, 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 because, you know, if you really want to go after law enforcement, you got to be comprehensive. Uh, Here is what uh, Joey Jones talked about, because he says, you know, at all this gun talk, just as you're saying, um, they don't seem to care about this revolving door. All right. We've had a proliferation of guns over the past several decades that that have, uh, regardless of what you think about that, amounts to the only way for gun legislation to fix our crime problem would be absolute abolition and confiscation. And And our Constitution doesn't allow for that. Handguns are the most constitutionally protected gun we own not shotguns, handguns, Supreme Court decisions, um, and they're not. And that's what criminals use. So the idea that you're going to gun gun regulate your way out of this crime problem really doesn't make sense to me. That's nothing more than an empty promise. Yeah, and what are you going to take legal guns away too? And you're still not going to condemn repeat offenders? There's a problem here. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two, and we'll continue with your calls. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And 
And we are talking about the revolving door of justice and President Biden now claiming that he is big time supportive of police, even though he himself even talked about defund the police. By the way, a story coming out tonight in The New York Post um, that a teen arrested with a loaded semi-automatic gun in a stolen car. Guess what? With uh, extensive ties out of state to Massachusetts and a whole bunch, well, he goes before a judge and guess what? He gets released on felony charges, including second degree criminal possession of a gun. He's got a track record. He's in a stolen car. He's got uh, a loaded semi-automatic. He has ties out of state. He goes before a judge and the judge lets him out with no bail. So no matter what you talk about, if you don't address this revolving door of justice, we're in big trouble. And unless Democrats start addressing that, we will have this endless cycle that will continue over and over and over again. And that is clear when you're seeing all of this. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Alan, line seven. Alan, your thoughts. Uh, good evening. I just want to say, first of all, that the the mother of all no-brainers as far as reducing crime is to uh, enact legislation that makes it next to impossible to, to purchase a gun. That's number one. Secondly, very quickly, uh, I think that's a misrepresentation that, that the Democrats wanted to defund the police. What they were saying was, let's transfer some of the money to, to, to do things that would make the police officers a little more, uh, a, a little more less violent. And this was said because time after time Wait, during that period, hang on a second now. black men were being killed. Alan, two things, two things. First off, there actually were people who said, let's abolish policing altogether. They even looked at it in Minneapolis, of all places. And then they had trouble because guess what happened when a 911 call came? Nobody was available to respond. They wanted to have, like, community people working. So they really are trying to get rid of law enforcement or not rehire when a lot of them were going out. So that's one of the issues, too. Your premise is that police officers are violent. Um, You know, yeah, there are different ones where you could say there's one or two bad apples, but I'm not going to smear all of policing. Overwhelmingly, law enforcement, 99.999 are great, courageous, brave men and women, and they deserve our respect. And, And I think it's a false premise, Alan. Go ahead real quick. Well, I just want to say that anyone with a tenth of a brain knows that you have to have police in the world we live in. But they don't. But they don't know that. That's and Alan, you're obviously a logical person. That is not what they were saying. They were saying we don't need police. We could just have somebody else respond to calls. And so I agree with you. Anybody with half a brain knows you need law enforcement, and this rhetoric needs to stop. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the floor. It's on the floor. And in 
in a moment, we are going to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer uh, to talk about really one of the true legends uh, of the world, I think, Mikhail Gorbachev, who passed away. We just got the word that he died today uh, at the age of 91. And talk about an incredible transformational figure, last leader of the Soviet Union. And I had the honor to interview uh, Mikhail Gorbachev a number of years ago and talk about how he saw, you know, the Soviet Union, how he saw uh, the role that he played, what he thought of Yeltsin at the time, um, and so many other things. But what an incredible man and his incredible relationship that he had with Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and all those others. And boy, think about uh, on his deathbed, he was talking of how dispirited and angry he was at Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine. He felt that his entire legacy, that Gorbachev's entire legacy was sort of being blown out and all the hard work that he had done um, and trying to bring Russia to a whole different level. And now he feels that Putin was bringing it back uh, to a barbaric phase, clearly with what's happening in Ukraine and that history boy had changed under Vladimir Putin. And we're going to talk about all of that and a lot more with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer in just a few minutes. Meantime, also, uh, we're talking about President Biden because he came out swinging today and he did say, and this was amazing, my jaw dropped because there was one moment there where he started talking and I thought he was maybe going to go to the border for a change, you know, and mention the problems that are happening at our southern border. I thought, oh, my gosh, because he seems to kind of keep ignoring that there's even a crisis at the border. And he did basically say there is a fentanyl problem and he's going to go after fentanyl. I think it's one of the first times I've heard him mention fentanyl. Because if you talk about fentanyl, the next thing is, well, it's coming through the southern border. And that border is wide open because of you. Well, take a listen. He did at least bring up fentanyl, but didn't go into the whole open border. My plan does something else really important. It addresses the opioid epidemic. Notice how many people are dying of opioid overdoses now? And by the way, laced with fentanyl? We're going to impose tougher penalties for deadly fentanyl trafficking. That's poisoning communities across this country. This is a key part of the unity agenda I'm announcing in my, that I announced in my State of the Union address. We can do this. We have to do this. We'll make America safer. So what about closing the southern border where they're coming through? I mean, this to me is just sort of this whole definition of insanity that we're talking about, where he's talking about fund the police. Oh, no, we never said defund the police. Oh, we've got to stop fentanyl. Ah, what about the border, which you have not even visited? Mr. President, it's really astounding. And things are so obvious at the border that even President Biden's own Customs and Border Protection chief, uh, Raul Ortiz, in a deposition that got leaked out, uh, showed where he was asked in a case in Florida, he had to admit because he was under oath that, guess what? The border is in crisis, that it basically looks like it's open borders because the migrants know they can come and that they don't get kicked out. This is Biden's border chief admitting it. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of what he said under oath in a deposition. Since President Biden was elected, does this document indicate that aliens illegally entering the United States perceive that they will be able to enter and remain in the United States? Objection. 
Yes. Yes. His, his attorney says, objection. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so obvious. He couldn't lie under oath. He had to basically say, yeah. It is such a bad situation that even the head of Customs and Border Protection has to admit it is a problem at our southern border. Well, speaking of security, somebody who deeply cared about world security was the last Soviet leader, Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh, we got word today that he passed away at the age of 91. And who could forget uh, those powerful moments with Reagan and Gorbachev together, uh, including, remember this moment, this is 1987. Take a listen to this exchange with Reagan and Gorbachev. Будут уничтожены дополнительные запасные ракеты у обеих сторон также будут уничтожены. But the importance of this treaty transcends numbers. We have listened to the wisdom of, in an old Russian maxim, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. My, Mr. General Secretary, though my pronunciation may give you difficulty, the maxim is dovayai no provayai. Trust but verify. <laughs> you repeat that at every meeting. What <laughs> <laughs> a great moment. And joining us now to talk about the incredible life of Mikhail Gorbachev is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is, of course, head of the London Center for Public Policy, for great research that's done there, named after the great Herb London. And also, he is a former national security advisor uh, who was then to President Trump. Great to have you with us, Tony. Rita, always a pleasure to join you. So thank you for having me. And it's a it's a it's an important topic to talk about. And I really appreciate you covering it. Oh, you know what? It is so important. Um, I mentioned I had the honor to interview him years ago when I was at Fox News. And, you know, we talked about Yeltsin. We talked about, you know, uh, the state of Russia. So many of these different, different uh, elements. How do you think Gorbachev is going to be best remembered? And also, I think about the courage of him at that time, you know, there was something that was so extraordinary, like courageous leaders, Tony, which we could use a lot more of right now, you know, right. to talk about sort of the 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 man and that moment and that combination that was him and Reagan and Thatcher. That was like that was gold, you know. So I, I, I think uh, all things considered, Gorbachev was most concerned and invested in saving Russia, not necessarily the Soviet Union, but Russia. And I think one of the reasons he cooperated so vigorously with Reagan, with Thatcher and others, is he recognized that the Soviet Union was about to to fall. And this was through a a number of things. Uh, They had just suffered the meltdown of the reactor, uh, which we all came to know as Chernobyl. That was going on at the the beginning of his time. Uh, The Afghanistan conflict was dogging them. Uh, They were in the middle of that war. Plus, uh, our own effort uh, of uh, basically working to undermine their economy, and honestly, we were. I mean, I, I am friends and mentors with a number of the Reagan folks. My, my dear friend Bud McFarland just passed recently, and Bud's told me stories about what they were doing. And so uh, Gorbachev recognized that the direction of the Soviet Union was not sustainable, and he had to, to uh, do a number of things to try to to strengthen the unity of the union, that is to say, to say that he implemented a number of very liberal policies. He allowed for uh, protests, for example, uh, 
And a lot of people within Russia blame him uh, for the fall of the Soviet Union. I would argue he was doing everything he could to, to save it. And uh, I think he's got a bad rep internally in Russia for that fact. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, uh, which he did rightly, I think, is he was a, a, a very uh, open critic of Vladimir Putin and his policies. And if you recall, Rita, uh, I think in the early 2000s, um, uh, Putin was asked what he thought the greatest tragedy of the 20th, 20th century was, and he said the fall of the Soviet Union. And I, I, I think in many ways Putin blamed uh, Gorbachev for the failures, although, again, if you look at the facts and honestly analyze them, you'll see the Soviet Union was, was going to fail, and Gorbachev did everything he could to basically try to save it the best way he could. And in the end, he couldn't. But but I think in many ways he did uh, recognize the need to transition to a republic, which obviously in uh, 1991, 1992, that that happened. So I'd like to believe Gorbachev will be uh, honored and remembered as a, a man, as you said, of courage, of, of vision, and uh, dare I say, one of the the, the the most important things: a man of of, of factual understanding of the direction of history and doing his best to save the country he loved, which was Russia. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing. And everybody, we are talking to Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, head of the London Center for Policy Research, also former uh, national security advisor in the Trump administration. You know, he ended the Cold War without bloodshed. I mean, that's an extraordinary feat. Talk about a contrast between him and and Putin now, my goodness, and, and on his deathbed. Um, he was very upset, apparently. He told a Russian journalist, Tony, um, recently that he was so sad to see the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the way that Putin was handling. Um, and he felt like all his hard work that Gorbachev had done was sort of going down by the wayside. Well, I think it's true. Again, he was uh, was working when he was the leader uh, to end the Afghanistan war. And that had bled Russia. Uh, greatly. And of course, you know, again, full disclosure, we, we were a big part of that. I mean, we had uh, armed the Mujahideen, we'd given them all sorts of weapons. Uh, so it was very clear that the effort that we, the United States, were, were uh, working to end the Soviet Union was working. And I think, again, Gorbachev understood that. He was also a very uh, big supporter of disarmament talks. I mean, for those of us, I was watching an episode the other day uh, of Mad Men, and they were. Uh, going through the Cuban Missile Crisis time, and everybody thought they were going to die. I was a lieutenant in the 80s, and I thought we were going to end up in Cold War. So to that point, Rita, Gorbachev recognized the unending and ever-expanding Cold War of nuclear weapons. I mean, people just don't understand how uh, deadly these weapons were and what would have happened to our countries in a nuclear exchange. I think Gorbachev understood it. I know Reagan understood it. And I think both men recognize that the endless expansion of nuclear arsenals would lead to the death of the planet. And both men, I think, recognize the need to stop that. That's why they engaged in uh, the INF Treaty. Uh, I actually was one of the folks who monitored the Russians coming here to monitor our, 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 our getting rid of that. And obviously, the, the START regimen of, of uh, capping the number of nuclear weapons, of nuclear delivery systems, all those things were done with Gorbachev to, to, to establish a path forward for the world to step back from the brink of nuclear war. And I think that's a very important thing for him to be remembered for. What do you think they're going to do in um, Russia, Tony? Because um, 
Putin put out a statement expressing his condolences, but will he get a state funeral? Will he be heralded by Putin? Because clearly they had a different view. And thank goodness uh, Gorbachev was there at that pivotal moment. I'll I'll never forget, too, Margaret Thatcher um, had a line saying, I can do business with this man. You know, like, in other words, he's he's a, he's reasonable. Um, many people certainly don't feel that way about Putin, for sure, right now. Right. So it's going to be interesting because, again, Gorbachev came to power as the first real uh, leader after the old men who had run the Soviet Union after World War II. I mean, uh, Andropov and all these other guys were literally going into office and dropping off, dro- dropping over dead. And they all had an inher- inherent paranoia a deep paranoia that was rooted in, the, in what they call the Great Patriotic War we call World War II. And I understood that, and he understood that, and he was able to kind of change that mindset. To, to what Gorbachev is saying, and I think, and this is what's going to get him, got him in trouble, is he's saying that paranoia that was prevalent during the, the Cold War brought to the table by those World War II leaders has been returned in the form of Vladimir Putin. Putin is an extraordinarily uh, paranoid man. He is a thug. And I think uh, because of that uh, recognition by Gorbachev and calling it out, it's put him in a very difficult position with the current Russian government. But I'd like to believe uh, Putin will honor the legacy uh, uh, that we've been discussing of Gorbachev. I I think Putin will get into real trouble internally because I think a lot of folks recognized that the removal of the Soviet Union and the creation of the Russian Republic gave a number of citizens – great opportunity. I mean, the Russia today is, is, is uh, well, honestly, very much a, a, a successful country economically. Uh, during Gorbachev's time, you'd had to line up to get bread in the store, and maybe you'd get it, maybe not. That's not the case now. So the economic reforms that were started by Gorbachev that became the Russian Republic is something I'd like to believe all Russian citizens recognize as something that's benefited them. I'd like to believe those citizens will push and to Putin to make sure he does the right thing regarding honoring Gorbachev. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, truly one of the icons in, you know, in the world, uh, one of the real living legends out there. Um, Tony Schaefer, really great to get your perspective. I, I was like, I got to get Tony on. Tony is the <laughs> perfect person uh, to talk about this and put it in such great, powerful perspective. Again, former National Security Advisor under President Trump, also with the London Center for Policy Research, the head of it there. That's a great organization. Wonderful to have you here, Tony. Thank you very much. Always great to join you, Rita. Thank you. Thank you. The great Tony Schaefer. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to take your calls. What do you think of the fact that think about Gorbachev at that moment and Reagan and what it meant just basically to the world, to world peace, and what a contrast it is right now to Putin being in control and where things are headed in the world and the isolation that Putin has created where Gorbachev was a glasnost. He was openness. He was moving towards a different generation. We're going to talk about all of this when we come back and also Biden's fumbled border crisis. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And 
And everybody, by the way, I hope that you will proudly join me in supporting the Tunnels to Towers 5K Walk Run in New York City again this year. It's on Sunday, September 25th, and I need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11 as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps together. And what you have to do is go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com, donate to my team. And I'm trying to raise the most money here because all of the proceeds goes to the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. What a great, great organization that helps our veterans and our heroes in need. Thank you for all your support. Together we're going to do this and raise tons of money for this great, great mission. Again, go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com and donate today. We are talking about great legends, and one of them, Mikhail Gorbachev, because the word came down today that he had passed away. I'd heard he had been sick recently, um, and imagine on his deathbed seeing what's been happening with Vladimir Putin and his invasion of Ukraine. But boy, you often, you know, very few times you can really say somebody was a living legend who changed the world And Gorbachev undoubtedly was one of them. Uh, Let's go to Carol in New Jersey on Line 5. Carol, your thoughts about this? Hi there, Rita. Oh, I I thought he was wonderful, President Gorbachev. And he had such a great relationship with President Reagan, too. I mean, that, that was a fantastic relationship that he had with him. Yeah, and to see the laughing and the the joy that the two of them had together, that was an amazing mm-hmm. moment. And you know what I'm I'm thinking about, Carol, what a contrast it is to think about right now uh, between, you know, uh, Biden and Russia and even prior to this and, and the way that the thuggery and the ruthlessness of Putin, what a, what a contrast. We need another Gorbachev uh, right now, well, you know? You know? Actually, Putin and, and Gorbachev, got along pretty well yeah they did because you know what they both they both cared about mother russia if you will but they had different visions clearly for where its place should be in the role in the world and clearly gorbachev was a man of peace and i certainly can't say that about putin um thanks so much carol you're awesome thank you uh let's go to bj line two bj your thoughts WI no provi, and that's uh, words for the ages. You know, Rita, excellent show, excellent commentary by Tony Schaefer. The significance of the event uh, that took place between Gorbachev and Reagan uh, was probably what saved the world from nuclear Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Gorbachev was clearly not willing or able to negotiate uh, removal of weapons, Reagan had no problem closing his briefcase, going out facing the press. Uh, and telling them, uh, we don't see eye to high here. When we do see eye to high, we will return to the negotiating table. But there's no movement here. And he did. And they did secure treaties that were able to, to, to make the world safe from nuclear Armageddon. If you go to Reykjavik, you can actually go to a place called the Hofti House where those treaties were negotiated. Yeah. And- you know what? I have not been there, but I've heard of it. Have you been? Yes, I have. And I will tell you, Iceland is a pretty socialist-leaning country. But they even they regard uh, Ronald Reagan as the man who uh, if you drive over uh, uh, Iceland, you will see tributes, uh, statues and plaques dedicated to 
uh, Ronald Reagan. There's a difference between negotiating and extorting. Uh, and Reagan knew the difference. Yeah. He wanted the best outcome for us both, uh, for both of the, the, the two superpowers. I don't know if we have this in a current leadership in the Biden administration. And boy, it just shows how important great leadership is and courageous leaders. And we definitely had that with Reagan and Gorbachev. We're going to continue after the break. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, a story that's very near and dear to my heart. As many of you know, I love the Merchant Marines and know the folks at the American Merchant Marine Veterans Association. I was there on Capitol Hill when they finally officially received the long-deserved gold medal, the Congressional Gold Medal. And it was one of the most beautiful days in my life to be there and to see these great men and their families appreciated for their incredible sacrifice during World War II. Well, just a few days ago in Brick Township, New Jersey, four New Jersey guys were presented with congressional gold medals. They could not be there in Washington, so they received it in New Jersey for their service as merchant mariners in World War II. Now, the event was held in Brick Township, and it was hosted by the Dennis A. Rowland chapter of the American Merchant Marine Veterans. It was a DAR chapter. Um, And it's a nonprofit organization, the Merchant Marine Organization, that works to gain recognition for the service's contributions to the country's protection, as well as to educate and encourage support of its veteran. These four veterans were honored. They all served in World War II Merchant Marines, uh, basically a fleet of ships that was run by civilian volunteers used to transport critical wartime equipment and supplies. Many of them, indeed, were there in Normandy. Um, and they were really sitting ducks. They basically uh, were major, major targets um, and hit very hard by the Germans. They had the highest, basically, casualty rate of any of the services, 1 in 26. So how beautiful to see more of them now recognized with this Congressional Gold Medal. And, again, the chapter name is Dennis A. Rowland Chapter. And Dennis A. Rowland, by the way, the namesake of the chapter, Uh, had been taken prisoner of war by the Japanese, and he was forced to build the Burma Railway, um, also known as the Railroad of Death. So what a powerful, powerful, powerful tribute and beautiful to see these merchant marines honored in such an important way. Well, we are talking about the fact that on our southern border, things are so bad. Today, President Biden finally said the word fentanyl. I don't even think he said the word fentanyl. It has been taking so many American lives, more American lives than anything else for those who are 18 to 45. I mean, that is stunning. Because a lot of young people in particular are taking fentanyl. They're taking these drugs, don't realize it's laced with fentanyl, and it ends up being deadly. 
And guess where it's coming through? Our southern border, which is, by the way, why I think our president doesn't want to address the fentanyl problem. Because if you start talking about it, then the next thing is going to be, well, they're coming through the border. What are you doing to stop the border, stop the open southern border? So today he finally said, oh, I plan to talk about the fentanyl epidemic. Didn't say a word about the border as if the fentanyl just kind of mystically, magically appears in the United States. We know it's coming through the southern border. It's coming through Mexico, uh, vis-a-vis China, vis-a-vis a whole bunch of other things. It is a huge, huge issue. And yet he's not talking about the border. He's not talking about going after the cartels. He's not talking about closing the border, you know, screening migrants, any of those things. It is incredible. But he did say the word fentanyl, so he's getting there. It's coming. But, God, he will never talk about the border because it has been such an enormous eyesore for this presidency. The fact that they are not closing the border, and anybody knows it. Anybody that's been down there at the border knows it. You can see it. You see the images. They're just coming, coming, coming. It's this endless stream of migrants. And things are so apparent that now, in a stunning admission— That was taken during a deposition of a case that's happening in Florida. It was part of a litigation basically against the Biden administration. And the Florida Attorney General, Ashley Moody, was talking about the border crisis and the migrant crisis. And so she had the ability to be able to depose the U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz under oath. Now, again, remember, he was appointed by President Biden. You've heard Mayorkas, who is the Homeland Security Secretary, every time he's like, oh, no problem at the border. The border's not open. What are you talking about? It's closed. It's this or that. That's what they parrot out there publicly. But because this guy was under oath, he couldn't lie. They're asking questions about the border, about migrants coming through. They're asking all these other questions. So he couldn't say, oh, no, that's not accurate. It's pretty obvious. All they'd have to do is show them a picture, right? So he's under oath, and they're asking him about the situation at the border. And, boy, he let it out. Take a listen. This is the border chief, Raul Ortiz, for the Biden administration, and now a leaked deposition. Take a listen. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Objection. Yes. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that unprecedented numbers of aliens are illegally entering the United States right now? Objection. Yes. I love this guy. First off, I want to know who's the person who's objecting. It's an attorney, obviously, for him. And he just ignores it. He just goes, yes. He just goes, yeah. You know, objection, because they clearly don't want him to answer anything that's going to make the Biden administration look bad. They know that that deposition, this audio is going to leak out like it is. And it makes the Biden administration look so bad. This is his own border chief that Biden handpicked to run the border. And he can't hold back in saying how bad the situation is at the border. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more from the deposition. Here's another part. And again, listen, the attorneys object, object. And he's like, yeah, it's really bad. Take a listen. Since President Biden was elected, does this document indicate that aliens illegally entering the United States perceive that they will be able to enter and remain in the United States? Objection. Yes. Yes. He's probably been dying to like tell the truth for so long. He's been at all these meetings with Mayorkas and others. He's like, I just got to get it out of here. I mean, this is so crazy. 
So meantime, on the flip side, the public face of the administration, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary who replaced Circle Backsaki, well, she just, it's like she's getting hammered at the White House. They have been asking her all these questions, like how can you justify that Novik Djokovic, uh, the great, great men's tennis player, can't play at the U.S. Open because he's not vaccinated. He doesn't believe in vaccinations. And a lot of people are saying, well, maybe he should have just crossed through the southern border because they wouldn't screen him there. They wouldn't check for vaccinations. And then he comes all up and then plays tennis, you know. That's the way to do it. What's he doing? He, but if he flies in, he has to be vaccinated. So he can't play. And yet the border is wide open and they're not checking for criminal records or vaccinations. This does not make any sense. So here is this exchange that's getting a lot of attention again. This is Peter Ducey, the White House uh, reporter for Fox News, talking to Corinne Jean-Pierre, talking about the total double standard. Take a listen. Protocols, I'd refer you to them. They have specific protocols as well. But so they're two different things. They're two different things. But So are, how is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. Why? But that's not how it works. Like, we actually, no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what what has happened. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and (laughs) that's not, that's That's not how. That's exactly what's happening. We, Thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. So let me just lay out what we have done under this administration. We have installed new border technology and set up joint protocols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We have already made over 3,000 arrests in the first three months of launching an unprecedented anti-smuggling campaign with regional partners. We've secured record levels of funding for the Department of Homeland Security. That, to me, is the most amazing thing. They don't just walk across the border. Are you kidding me? Have you looked and seen these images of them walking, streams of them coming? And in fact, Bill Malugin, who is the border, basically, correspondent who's down there for Fox News, tweeted out right away and saying, she's not not being honest. What is she talking about? You can see the pictures of just the streams of them walking across the water. It's like endless streams. And they keep on coming. It's so bad that the border chief is even admitting that the problem is so bad and that they know that they won't be kicked out by President Biden. And that's part of the draw. He even admitted it. You just heard it. And yet they want us to believe that, no, they're not walking through. There's this huge process. And this is not an open border. This is so organized. What planet are they looking on? Well, take a listen. This is Brandon Judd, who is part of the Border Patrol Council. And he just said, Corinne Jean-Pierre, her brain must be on Mars. Take a listen. I watch these these people walk across the border every single day. We we see it. Um, It's disgusting what we're seeing. And she knows exactly what's happening, but she's deflecting. She's lying. She knows that the mainstream media isn't going to cover this issue. She knows that that by... In large part, nobody's going to care because they don't understand what's going on. But they do. But she does recognize it as well that if the mainstream media would cover this, if the American public understood what was going on, they would be outraged. They would be outraged that somebody.
somebody by rule cannot enter the United States, right. um, but the but individuals that violate the law can, in fact, enter the United States. And that's that's the hypocrisy of this current administration. They don't care that um, hundreds of thousands of people are dying because of drug overdoses because of these illegal immigrants that are coming across the borders illegally that the cartels then um, create the opportunities. They don't care what is currently happening. They know that it's not hurting them, so they're going to continue to lie to the American public. Wow. That is a really scary premise because that is a dangerous, dangerous issue. It is wide open. And the fact that our president, that we have to be surprised that he even said the word fentanyl, where anybody, if you listen to anybody who's been dealing with it on the southern border, even across the country, I mean, it's a huge issue everywhere. New Hampshire even having huge fentanyl issues, too, as well. I mean, a lot of places. And yet our president, we have to be surprised when he says the word, and he won't even say the word border, because he knows that that will draw attention to what is an enormously open border and a, I think, a massive national security risk. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire, in fact. Go ahead, Pete. You're here on the show. Yeah, hi, Rita. Love you. Love your show. Thank you, Pete, and love you too, my friend. What What are you thinking? Because New Hampshire has a huge issue with fentanyl, right? Well, yeah, and I know, and it's all coming out of Massachusetts, uh, believe it or not, with the gangs in Lowell and Lawrence, Mass. And I'm going to go on from there. I'm going to be removed from that for a second because I want to go back to the border situation. This is all about politicizing the border issue. And and Biden, just like he did with the uh, college tuition thing, the ten grand, you know, for everybody in college, he's going to play th- these people. Biden, and we all point to Biden and we blame Biden. He may be the so-called presidente, but Rita, in retrospect, if you look behind, the people behind him are the people that are pushing him. He's nothing but a, a monkey sock puppet. You follow me? I am, and I'm laughing because I haven't heard the word monkey sock in a long time. But, but so but, who but, do you but, think but, is guiding this? And how scary, by the way, how scary is that, Pete? That, it, if I recall, you're a veteran, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. But, so, so, um, so, thank so you. no, of course. My goodness, Pete. I, I, you know how much I love our veterans and, and appreciate you and your service. So, here you see this. How big of a massive national security issue is that? You know, I mean, we're heading to, sadly, another anniversary of 9-11, and it is so important to protect our borders right now, given what's going on in the world on so many different levels. And yet we have a leaky border that is so apparent that even Biden's own Border Patrol boss is saying it. So talk about what kind of a threat that is to the homeland as a, as a veteran, as a great proud veteran, Pete. But it is not leaky, Rita. The dam is broken. These people are coming to this country, and now when you look at it, we have polio again. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go to the medical side first, Rita. First thing is, polio was taken care of in the late 50s. I'm 71 years old. I can remember when we got our polio shots, our vaccinations, okay, and it was all taken care of. Now we have monkeypox. These people are coming in. We don't know who they are. They don't. Know, we're not vetting them properly. And this is what we get for what we we're getting what we got because of failed administrations. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, he's a monkey. He's a monkey sock puppet. 
It's Susan Rice and all the Obama, the former Obama, Obama minions and holdovers. These are the people in the establishment. These are the people, the elitists, are running this country right now. Biden is nothing more than an empty speaker cabinet. You follow me? And, and by yes. the way, that's a scary place to be because if you have a president who and, – and clearly, listen, Pete, I do agree with you that somebody else is running the show because, you know, he often makes those comments like, uh, I know I'm not supposed to say this or I'm going to get in trouble for talking. So clearly it's like somebody is saying to him, stand over here, say this. Say that. I mean, everything seems very incredibly orchestrated with him. And it's like, here's here's the message on the cue card. Please read this. Look over here. Stand here. Um, I mean, I just think about what a contrast it is. And just in terms of style between him and President Trump, if somebody said to President Trump, here's what you're going to read, he'd be like, uh, I, I got it. You know, I mean, at least put the names down, maybe of like the people I have to introduce. But it would be like, no, I'm going off script. I'm talking. It would be like I'm the president of the United States. Uh, there's such a different contrast in terms of leadership style, uh, just even on that. And and that's a scary place right now, just given all the dynamics that we have and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, you just think about I was just talking about uh, Gorbachev, Pete, and you probably heard it. What a contrast between that relationship between Gorbachev and uh, Reagan. And now, you know, now it's like, you know, you don't there aren't I don't see a, a Gorbachev. I don't see a Reagan. And that that's a really scary place to be real quick, Pete. Yeah, thank you, Rita. And you know what? You're exactly spot on. When our, our own president has to read off a postcard, we have problems. OK. Yeah, you're right. We have big time problems. Um, and Pete, thank you very much. And thank you for your service. Welcome home. Thank you. Charlie, welcome. Thank you, Rita. Thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And there is word that now the DOJ has responded to Trump's request for a special independent master to oversee the documents that were seized at Mar-a-Lago in the DOJ filing. It includes actually some photos of what they say are documents uh, that were said to be top secret and other items. Uh, A number of the things are covered because they are top secret Uh, They say that there were several things that were seized from Mar-a-Lago and evidence that they could be potentially hidden or obstructed or destroyed. Uh, So we're trying to get details on that. Apparently, the filing has just come in. They had to respond to the president's request for a special master. There's going to be a hearing on Thursday in Florida by a judge there who said that she was inclined to appoint a special master, that would be like an independent judge, a current judge or a retired judge, 
who would be seen as sort of an independent arbitrator that would be able to say, okay, these are the documents that were taken by the FBI. These are the things that you can keep DOJ. These are the things that need to be returned to the president. That might be attorney-client privilege, a variety of these things. Uh, DOJ has already contended that they went through everything, um, that really a special master isn't uh, needed. But the Trump team says, wait a minute, how can we trust that what you went through was accurate? How can we trust uh, that you didn't look at certain items? The damage may have been done. Um, but still, how can we be sure that everything is appropriately being returned to us and siphoned out? And clearly, only what you should see and have is what is going to happen. So I actually think, uh, personally, there should be a special master, that there is certainly a justification for it in this case. And we're definitely going to get some more new details. But uh, the Department of Justice just filing a little bit ago their request uh, to their response to Trump's request for a special master saying, quote, that evidence that the government uh, had were likely uh, taken, were concealed and removed, suggesting that Trump uh, maybe was putting them in a secret place or planning to remove them or obstruct justice. So we're going to continue with this as we get more details, probably also for sure tomorrow. And definitely, by the way, on Thursday, because there's going to be that big court hearing on Thursday. And we're going to be talking about that as well, because all eyes are going to be what was taken from Mar-a-Lago in this massive sweep. And now we know that at least one of the senior folks at the FBI, uh, anywhere from one to three, have been walked out uh, unceremoniously, just kind of walked out of the FBI. Uh, Were they forced out? Did they resign? We're going to get some more details on that as well. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Actually, Valeria's calling in. Go ahead, Valeria, from Florida. Valeria, your thoughts. Hi, hi, Rita. You know, last night we spoke about the Trump legal team and how I wished that his legal team would hire some experts. And today it just hit the news that President Trump hired a a very seasoned Supreme Court attorney. His name is Chris Kyes. Yeah, this is the one who's close to DeSantis and to some yeah. others, right? I heard that, he too, as well. Out, he brought out the criminality of Gillum, the man that was running against DeSantis. He brought that out. You know, this, this Gillum character that was running against DeSantis back in 2008. Yeah, that was the guy so who was, like, partying in his hotel room. I remember that whole deal. That was like, yeah, whoa. Before that. Right. And before that, he had accepted some um, illegal tickets to Hamilton. But getting back to I'm so glad you brought up about the um, the state of Florida is suing the Biden administration. They will actually they're suing Homeland Security for the the migrant crisis. Yeah. Ashley Moody. I love her. I love this. This uh, attorney general down there. She's pretty gutsy, right? Yes, that was a deposition. And that's why. When the Biden attorney was allowed to, he was allowed to object, but in a deposition, the deponent has to answer the question unless they plead the fifth, you know, under the Constitution. But this was not a Fifth Amendment situation. Right. I'm sure, by the way, I bet you uh, in hindsight, I wish uh, I'm sure Biden probably thought, gosh, I wish he took the fifth. Or couldn't like couldn't like a like an emergency alarm go off <laughs> like a fire alarm where they have to evacuate the building while during that deposition because that really looks so bad for Biden, don't you think, Valeria? Real quick, 
Absolutely, yes, but that man had to answer because it was a deposition, and I'm so glad he did, aren't you? I am so happy, and to hear it from someone who is Biden's border chief says the border is a disaster.